Hey guys, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Sisters Spooked, the podcast where two sisters talk about all the creepy things. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a scary story, suggestions for an episode, or anything really, please email us at sisterspooked at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at sisters underscore spooked. And we also have a secret Facebook group, Sisters Spooked Secret Group. Our website is sisterspooked.com, where you'll be able to find our blog and much more. We're so excited to have you. It's time to get spooky. Sisters Spooked contains graphic and explicit content. We recommend to listen at your discretion, but we hope you stay for the show. Thanks for listening. Um, just texting Jacob. So I work tomorrow in the morning and at night, and I can only drug mama once. So I asked, I texted Jacob, and I was like, if I buy you dinner, can you watch mama? And he actually agreed, so. (laughs) Interesting. So are you just going to bring mama over there? Yeah. Nice. Well, that was nice of him to do that. Mm, Yeah. I mean, he likes dogs. Hmm. I have been eating Sour Patch Kids. And my whole tongue is dissolved. <laughs> Gross. Love that for me. Great. I, from like the medication I've been taking, I finally stopped it. But the prednisone was making me so. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Bless you. <laughs> I've been so hungry from. Just the prednisone, because it makes me star. It basically makes me feel like I'm starving. That's fun. Yeah. And then today, from taking the antibiotic, my stomach is all jacked up, because I don't... I think the probiotic that I have is, like, going to expire soon, or is expired, because I've had it for, like, probably a year and a half now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Probably, then. So I definitely need to get a new one the next time I'm prescribed antibiotics. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I got, when I got shipped off at my dad, okay, I stopped eating because it actually hurts really bad. Oh my god, and it's, you're like slurping into the microphone. (laughs) Yeah, because it's literally burning my tongue off with these acid. Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what it is, like, salicylic acid or something like that. Probably not. Yeah, Yeah, when I got shut throat really bad on my dad, I took antibiotics. And I got probiotics. I don't know why it messed up my stomach so bad, but I was literally throwing up after I took the antibiotics. Yeah, I ended up coming home from work today because my stomach was hurting so bad. I literally could not even sit up straight. And I felt so bad. I, like, messaged my manager, and I was like, would you be terribly upset if I went and worked the rest of the day from home because I can literally not sit up straight right now? And even now, I'm still, I'm literally sitting on the floor at an angle because it hurts to put my body in a 90 degree angle. Oh my God. <laughs> so I love that for me. 
Mama, what the fuck are you doing? Come here. What are you doing? Oh, she's getting that from her crate. Did you get it? Oh, no. Now she's going to take... Now you're going to take the time right now to be a psycho, huh? <laughs> All right, you just chill. Yeah, um... So, I went to work this morning, and we don't have pigs until Saturday. And, um, so I was like, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to be doing. And then on the list, it, it says to clean the, um, stations. So I, like, texted my boss, and I was like, does that mean, like, pressure wash bag? What, what does it mean? And then he told me to take the Lysol spray and wipe the tops of all the stations. And I, there's instantly one station, there's three holding pens, and mm-hmm. there's, there's two, and then stacked three times on top of each other. And the very top looked like it hadn't been cleaned in a year. And I spent three hours and I only got five out of the eight stations cleaned. <sighs> and then he felt bad. So then he was like, I was, after that, I was supposed to go enter um, data for a different grad student. And then, but after that, Adam, my boss, he was like, he was like, why don't we go see if the pigs are faring right now? Because one had already farrowed, and the other ones were, there's three more, and they're, they're like, pretty close. That's what it's called when pigs give birth. And so then they were far- farrowing? Um, or no? Well, so one had already farrowed, and then one's amniotic sac broke, so oh, wow. we, thought she, we thought she was going to pop them out. But then, you know, Mama was at home alone, so I had to leave before he popped them out. They said they were going to text me if they gave birth, but I think they must have forgotten I would assume so. So, I didn't get to see any births, but it's okay. Yeah. At some point, hopefully. Alright. Should we get started? Sure. Okay. This week's topic is serial killers from the 1800s. Okay? Mm-hmm. I know that. I'm, I'm also the other half of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're, you're informing the people listening, not me. <laughs> Alright. Uh, so, I'll go ahead and get started. Alright, mentioned that one before. <laughs> okay. Jack was his name, and killing was his game. Oh my god. <laughs> <sighs> I knew that you were going to say something and I could not resist. Okay. So, as you may have guessed, my case is about Jack the Ripper. He was an unidentified serial killer, and he was largely active in impoverished areas, and he was active in largely impoverished area in and around the Whitechapel District of London in 1888. Jack the Ripper was also known as Whitechapel Murderer and Leather Apron. Why? I don't know. Because he was an unidentified serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. So Jack's ideal woman was a prostitute who worked in the East End of London. Due to the influx of immigrants emigrating to Eastern Europe, there were an estimated 62 brothels, 1,200 women, and 1,200 women working as active prostitutes in Whitechapel. Jack really enjoyed slitting their throats prior to mutilating the abdomen region of the body. That's cute. Three victims also had their internal organs removed, and this led 
police to believe that Jack the Ripper had anatomical or surgical knowledge. All right. You got all that? Yeah. Okay. All right. There were 11 murders from April 3rd, 1888 until February 13th, 1891. The first three cases were Emma Elizabeth, or no, not three. The first two cases were Emma Elizabeth Smith and Martha Tabram. So Emma was robbed and sexually assaulted in Osborne, on Osborne Street in, on April 3rd, 1888. This part is a little disturbing, but we're going to read it anyway because it's part of the story. A blunt object was inserted into her vagina, which ruptured her peritoneum. Peritoneum. Peritone, yeah. That. Do, you know, do you know what that is? It is the membrane lining the cavity of the abdomen covering the abdominal organs. I looked it up because I didn't know what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) So she did end up living overnight, but she developed peritonitis and died the next day at the London hospital. Emma advised she was attacked by two or three men and one was just a teenager. The attack was linked to the Jack the Ripper murders, but many believed this was attributed to gang violence that was unrelated to to the JTR why case. Why don't you just say why don't you just say like the Ripper? I couldn't. We'll see how I feel. I wrote it as JTR in my notes, and so every time it comes up, I like stumble over it because I want to say Jack the Ripper. So that was my bad. All right. So the second victim, Martha was killed August 7th, 1888. When she was found, police counted 39 stab wounds in her body. Again, people don't think this was Jack the Ripper. Many people do not think Jack the Ripper was the killer. Many people don't think Jack the Ripper was the killer and only associated him to it due to the closeness of the location and the date of the additional murders. So police lumped these two murders to, to Jack the Ripper. Additionally, there were five murders known as the uh, Canonical Five, and these are believed to be the five known Jack the, Ripter, Jack the Ripper victims. The victims are Mary Ann Nichols, Annie Chapman, Elizabeth Stride, Catherine Eddowes, and Mary Jane Kelly. So Mary Ann was discovered on Friday, August 31st, 1888 in Bucks Row, Whitechapel. Her throat was su- severed by two cuts, and the lower part of the abdomen was cut open deep and left a jagged wound. She had several additional incisions on her abdomen that looked to be caused by the same knife. All right, so that was Mary. Well, what, what do they think? He's just, like, double double tagging her with the, with knives or something? Like, of course it's the same knife. Why would he just switch <laughs> knives? I mean, you never know. Maybe he's got, like, a toolkit or something, and he's switching it up. Annie Chapman was discovered Saturday, September 8th, 1888, in a backyard in Spitalfields. Same as Marianne, the body was cut the same way, but it had been later discovered that her uterus was completely removed. A witness... I know, it's not good. Just wait. A witness said they remembered seeing Marianne that morning with a dark-haired man of shabby genteel. Elizabeth and Catherine were killed in the early morning of Sunday, September 30th of 1888. So Elizabeth was discovered off Burner Street in Whitechapel, 
And her cause of death was an incision which severed her artery on the left side of her neck. And again, there were witnesses that thought they had seen Elizabeth with a man that had fair, that was fair and shabbily dressed. But there were other witnesses that said the man was dark and well dressed. So, I mean, we have to remember that these are women of the night, prostitutes. So, they, I mean, different witnesses very well could have seen her with different men. So, the wow, shab- you're really going to play that part, huh? I mean, wow. So, hmm, they're not valid because they're prostitutes. No, yeah, that's. You're, you're not being very feminism right now. Oh my God. I was literally just going to say <laughs> the one that set is the fair, shabbily dressed man. Or, I'm sorry, the dark-haired, well-dressed man kind of coincides with the dark-haired man of shabby genteel. Okay? Uh, all right. I don't know what any of that means, but continue. <laughs> okay. Catherine was found in Mitter Square in the city of London less than an hour after Stride, or um, Elizabeth. Her last name was Stride. The throat was again severed and the body, I'm sorry, the abdomen was had also been ripped open. The kidney and the uterus had also been removed on her body. A townsperson had passed by the murder site shortly before it took place and he said he saw a fair hair man of shabby appearance with a woman that could have been Catherine. The friends said, the friends that were with him on the walk could not confirm or deny his description. So, could be fake news, but I'm sorry. Um, Mary Jane's body was mutilated and disemboweled, lying. Do you, you say Mary Jane? Yeah, that's the one girl's name. And I, oop. What? And I, oop. Oh, yeah, her name was Mary Jane Kelly. I see. So, her body was mutilated and disemboweled, laying on a bed in the room where she lived off Dorset Street in Spital Fields on Friday, November 9th, 1988. Her throat had been severed down to the spine and the abdomen was almost emptied of her organs and her heart was also missing. Yay. Uh, The force it would have to take you to stab in and drag down someone's throat to their spine yeah that's pretty crazy and aggressive what kind of anger do you have anyway all right so those are the murders that they believe really quick i have to i have to interrupt you for this you know it's funny so in 2016 um there's like a part in game of thrones you know where sansa's slaps robin aaron across the face yeah posted a screenshot of that of the game and i said talk shit get hit and it had like it had like i don't know seven likes or something and people have been liking it recently and now it's at 22 likes and like why why like what what are who's been stalking what tags that they go three years like like three years down the line to comment on my shit that's so funny. Like my, yeah, I was like, what the? <laughs> I like that. I was like, like, I keep, I keep getting notifications, and it's like, 
so and so liked your post. I'm like, what post? I haven't even posted anything. And then I see it, and then I see it's the Game of Thrones one, and I was like, wait, what? Oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I love it. No, it's fine. Oh, oh, mama. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna continue because I have two more pages of notes. Oh, good lord. Okay. <laughs> All right. In nine, uh, no, not 1984. In 1894, Sir Melville McNatton, Assistant Chief Constable of the Metropolitan Police Service and head of the Criminal Investigation Department, wrote a report that said the Whitechapel murderer had five victims and five victims only. The canonical five victims were linked together. AKA AKA the only five victims that are canon. Gonna fucking murder you. The next time I see you, I'm gonna slit your left okay, artery what down to your Every single time, every single time, I tell you not to make connections to the real, real world. Then uh, you made me in a sassy mood, so that's how you get cut. Oh my god. I'm just kidding. I would never cut you, but I would think about it. Okay. Okay. Take five million. The canonical five victims were linked together in a letter written by police surgeon Thomas Bond to Robert Anderson, head of the London CID on November 10th, 1888. Okay. All right. Mary Jane is considered to be the Ripper's final victim, and it is believed the crimes ended due to the death of the culprit, imprisonment of the culprit, institutionalization, or emigration. There are four murders after the canonical five. There was Rose Milet, Alice McKenzie, the Pynchon, Street Torso, and Francis Coles. So I'll tell you just a brief quick thing about how they were killed and it is very apparent that it was not Jack the Ripper mm-hmm. so Milet was found strangled in Clark's yard but police actually ruled her death a suicide because she had like marks around her neck that looked like a rope like she hung herself or uh, potentially it wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be from somebody asphyxiating her well, they said it didn't look like hands. No, I mean, someone can asphyxiate her with a rope. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I definitely thought it could be that as well. I didn't really, like, look into it too much, though. I just did a brief little thing of it. So, that happened to Milet. Mackenzie was killed on July 17th, 1889, by severance of the left carotid artery. So, that is kind of Jack the Ripper's MO, but. She wasn't, her stomach wasn't cut open, like, no organs or anything were missing, just literally, maybe someone was trying to be a copycat when they killed her, not Mm -hmm. sure. Um, The next victim was known as the Pynchon Street Torso, so a headless torso and legless, a headless and legless torso of an unidentified woman was left under a whale, a, a whale, a railway, a railway <laughs> arch, in on Pin, Pin, Pinchin Street. 
in Whitechapel in September of 1889, just a little bit over a year after the Jack the Ripper killings first started. But again, this doesn't follow Jack the Ripper's M.O., so they didn't. I mean, it's definitely not connected. And then Coles was found again under a railway arch in February of 1891 at Shallow Gardens in Whitechapel. And her throat was cut, but the body was not mutilated. So both of the girls who were found by the railways, their throats were cut, but nothing else was going on. So they think that it was someone trying to copy Jack the Ripper's M.O. Mm-hmm. So believe what you will, but I don't think that those murders are connected to Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. All right. So surviving police files on the Whitechapel murders allow a detailed view of investigative procedure in the Victorian era. A team of police conducted house-to-house inquiries in Whitechapel, and forensic material was collected and examined. Suspects were identified, traced, and either examined more closely or eliminated from the inquiry. More than 2,000 people were interviewed, 300 were investigated, and 80 different people were detained. Which, I mean, like, good for them for going out and actually investigating these murders. But it still sucks that no one was identified, you know what I mean? Yeah. After doing all of that work. All right. So the next portion that I have is the criminal profiling that they went over. And I thought that Wikipedia had this laid out pretty well. So I'm just going to read straight from the article that was in or not. I guess not the article. I'm just going to read straight from what was on the Wikipedia page. Mm -hmm. So at the end of October, Robert Anderson asked police surgeon Thomas Bond to give his opinion on the extent of the murderer's surg- surgical skills and knowledge. The opinion offered by Bond on the character of the Whitechapel murderer is the earliest surviving offender profile. Bond's assessment was based on his own examination of the most extensively mutilated victim and the post-mortem notes from the four pre- previous canonical murders. He wrote, All five murders, no doubt, were committed by the same hand. In the first four, the throats appeared to have been cut from left to right. In the last case, owning to the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say what direction the fatal cut was made. That's the girl who he, like, totally just cut her throat, basically, down to her spine. Um, So... In the last case, owning to the extensive mutilation, it is impossible to say what direction the fatal cut was made, but arterial blood was found on the wall and splashes close to where the woman's head must have been laying. Um, all, all the circumstances surrounding the murders led me to form the opinion that the women must have been laying down when murdered, and in every case, the throat was cut first. Bond strongly opposed the the idea that the murderer possessed any kind of scientific or anatomical knowledge or even the technical knowledge of a butcher or a horse slaughterer. In his opinion, the killer must have been a man of solitary habits, subject to periodical attacks of homicidal and erotic mania, with the character of the mutilations possibly indicating... Oh, God, this word. (sighs) Sad... Satriasis. 
Is that right? Am I saying that right? Um, Satri, S A T Y R I A S I S, Satriasis. Um, yeah. Um, what does it even mean? That's a great question. Oh, uncontrollable or excessive sexual desire in a man. Okay. Oh, that's funny because it's like the the root of the word is satyr, and that's kind of like satyrs in Greek mythology are like known to be very like promiscuous. Yeah, they're very they're known to basically be like horny. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Alright, so Bond also stated that the homicidal impulse may have developed from a revengeful or brooding condition of the mind, or that religious mania may have been the original disease, but I do not think either hypothesis is likely. There is no evidence of any sexual activity with any of the victims, uh, yet psychologists suppose that the penetration of the victims with a knife and leaving them on display is sexually degrading in sexually degrading positions with the wounds exposed indicates that the perpetrator derived sexual pleasure from the attacks. This view is challenged by others who dismiss such hypothesis hypotheses in sorry as insupportable supposi- supposition. Um, the consequence Concentration of the killings around the weekend and public holidays within a few streets of each other indicated that Jack the Ripper was regularly employed and lived locally. Others thought the killer was an educated upperclassman who was a doctor or an aristocrat who ventured into Whitechapel from a more well-to-do area. Jack the Ripper's identity remains unknown or... So we thought. Dun, so, dun, dun. <laughs> I was doing. Uh, I like how you say so we thought when this literally happened in the 1800s. So anything we know has been like <laughs> the truth for like a hundred plus years. I know. Okay. So, or so we thought until recently. It, it's true. So until Wait, recently. Really? Yeah, I swear to God. Oh. So when I was actually initially like looking up articles i came across an article post by usa today stating a forensic investigation was able to identify the killer as aaron kaminsky a 23 year old polish barber and prime suspect at the time researchers compared fragments of mitochondrial dna which is inherited from the mother to samples of living relatives of eddos and kaminsky and the dna matched kaminsky's relatives if y'all want to know about mitochondrial DNA and um, the maternal effect, HMU, I am educated on that. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, that was the story. That's all I have. All right. Well, I, honestly, like, I'm pretty underwhelmed. <laughs> underwhelmed? How he did it was pretty, like, oof, but, like, I mean, everything else is, like, I don't know, it's, like, not that shocking. I just thought it was funny how they couldn't, like, actually tie together any of the other victims that died around that time. So there literally either could have been, like, a fuckload of serial killers just, like, running around rampant, 
killing all these prostitutes or it could have just been one person trying to throw the police off by killing women in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was crazy. And I think that it's cool that they were able to go back and find who actually did it. And like, obviously this could be all bullshit that I read in this, that article saying that they actually found the killer. But I mean, why would they have any, I saw it in tons of articles, so I don't believe that they would have any reason to lie about that, Mm -hmm. but take it with a grain of salt. Well, everything, wait, I could, um, Never mind, I can't, I can't think of a witty thing to say regarding this. (laughs) Well, we'll use this moment to hear a word from our sponsor. Welcome back from our... I said she's still doing something. Oh, shit, okay. (laughs) (sighs) Alright, let's do this shiz. Okay. Thank you for listening to an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. Anyways, I just threw my phone because I forgot that I was talking to you on it. <laughs> okay, so the infamous H.H. H. Holmes. So H.H. H. Holmes was um, an American serial killer. He was born in 1861, and he died nine days? Yeah, nine days before his... Um, let me do the math. Thirty fifth birthday. So he he was born not as Doctor Henry Howard Holmes, aka Doctor H H Holmes. He was not born with that name. He was actually born as um, Herman Webster Mudgett. And well, a quick little thing to like. I mean, this this comes a little bit later in the story, but the reason he changed it was because not only was he um, not only did he commit for murder in the first degree, but he was also a con artist, like an insurance fraud person, and mm. he was also um, very large into uh, into uh, what's it called? Um, uh, sorry, I forgot what it's called. Yeah, oh, he he's a big bigamist. You know what a bigamist is? Yes. Oh, you do. Yes. I didn't know what it was before I I read it. Isn't it like, wait. A what? What do you think it is? Are you just saying that because you don't want to admit you don't know what it is? Wait, was, is, what did, what word, did you say biggest? Big, what? What did you say? You repeated the word back to me, Stephanie. I said bigamist. Yeah, isn't that someone who's like super racist? What? <laughs> that's like being that's like that's like bigotry. Not a bigamist. What is a bigamist? <laughs> a bigamist is like when you're when you get married to uh somebody when you're already married. Mm. But he was a serial bigamist. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that's a bigot that you're thinking about. Oh yeah, yeah. Different things. Anyways, um, how about this part? Oh, so yeah, he was a serial bigamist. He got married three times with none of the um, previous marriage uh, annulled. So, um, yeah. So he 
basically he started out kind of like you know a lot of people since it happened so long ago a lot of his story is basically like um a tall tale you know it's kind of like people have embellished it over the years so it's easy to ignore the facts in in favor of a wild fictional story um but basically like people always try and pinpoint it where it's like he was his father was abusive to him he killed animals when he was younger but you know nothing really proves that so um, Mm. people think that you know he's just like you know a little crazy hold on my air conditioner is out (laughs) sorry okay it's off okay so he confessed to 27 murders oh my god yes and in fact some of the 29 people or sorry some of the 27 people that he originally said were actually alive. Oh, fuck. Like, so he, I don't know why he said he murdered them, but uh, obviously he just wanted the clout. He's a clout chaser. God. Um, Hashtag so, here for the tea. The top tea. saying that. We're so <laughs> annoying. I already told you to stop saying it. Why? Yeah, because it's annoying. Oh, hell. No, I didn't know you felt so strongly. Yes, you did. I literally yelled at you for saying tea a bajillion times at grandma's. <laughs> You're like, why can't they say it? Just don't. It's annoying. It's not. Here's the motherfucking tea. It's this true. Annoying. It's annoying. All right. Anyways, so, um, you know, as embellishers over time do... It has been said that that the his death toll is actually close to two hundred, but you know, it's like it's only one like it's only been traced to like um a pulp fiction magazine, a pulp magazine from the nineteen forties, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, they're probably just saying that to like be dramatic. So um he moved around a lot. He was born in New Hampshire. Um, in Gil Gilmanton, New Hampshire, and uh, he was kind of all over the place. He went to let's see, he he was in Illinois for a lot. He had he had more than fifty lawsuits in the Chicago area alone. Like so, oh basically, my God. Like, you know, he is a doctor. Like he he uh, at some point he went to school to be so he or- originally went to, to school at one college, but. Yeah, he started going to college, I think, in New Hampshire, and then he was like, mm, not for me, y'all too dumb, or whatever, so he moved, <laughs> and he started going to UMich, University of Michigan, you know, and in the Department of Medicine and Surgery, hmm. and before that, he got a job, as, you know, I, I said, like, and he, well, actually... Um, what is it? What is it called? Like the um, uh, it starts with an M. I forgot what it's called. Hold on, let me let me find let me find it again. He had a job as a <laughs> oh, he he became a certified public accountant. Yeah, and then um, he also somehow. Like ended up serving as a city manager of Orlando, Florida. I don't know how you go from 
being <laughs> in New Hampshire as a an accountant to being a city manager of Orlando, Florida, but you know, mm-hmm. he did that. Things he did that. Uh so he he also like after he graduated from high school, he took some teaching odd odd jobs like teaching in, in New Hampshire and um yeah, I don't know. And then he on July fourth, eighteen seventy eight, so he would have been um Wow. Wow. He was only seventeen. He was seventeen and he got married to Clara Lovering. Oh my um, god. I mean had a, <laughs> they had a son. Oh yeah, I guess it's the eighteen hundreds. It's not that it's not weird. Yeah. Um they had a son named Robert, um, who was born in eighteen eighty. So in total he had um three wives to the first one. Like I said, he married Are you even listening to me? Yes. Oh. <laughs> what? Okay, Tim Cole. So in Illinois is where most of his shit went down, you know? Mm-hmm. So he went to the University of Vermont. He didn't go to school in New Hampshire. He went to the University of Vermont, but he was dissatisfied with the school and left after one year. Oh, and that's gotcha. when he went to Michigan. So, um, he worked in the anatomy lab under a professor, and um, the professor was the chief anatomy instructor. He apprenticed in New Hampshire under another doctor, um, who was also um, a noted advocate of human dissection. Um, later, when he was suspected of murder, um. He claimed to be nothing but an insurance fraudster. Um, AJ Chalms? Yeah. Um, so he admitted to using cadavers to defraud um, life insurance companies. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so his first wife, Clara, like I said, um, in 1878, they got married. Um, the Their housemates described him as treating her violently and um right before he graduated she moved back to new hampshire um she yeah after i mean they didn't really have like any connections after that so after that he moved to new york he moved all over i can't even like i don't even understand this so um he claimed that the son because you know how i mentioned that a son he claimed that the son went back home um in Massachusetts. I don't know when their home was ever in Massachusetts, but, you know, everything was crazy. So, um, and then he moved to Pennsylvania and got a job at, as um, a keeper at a hospital, but quit a few days after. And then he took a position at a drugstore in Philadelphia. Um, and actually, like, as he was working there, a boy died after taking medicine that was purchased from there. And okay. he, he denied um, having a role to play in the child's death, and then immediately left the city. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then right before he moved to Chicago, he changed his name to Henry Howard Holmes, mm. a.k.a. H.H. Holmes. Wait, what was his er, initial name? His initial name was Herman Webster Medley. Gotcha. And then he changed it to, what was the first two? Howard Holmes, Henry Howard Holmes. Henry Howard Holmes, gotcha. H. H. Holmes. So he did that to avoid the possibility of being exposed by the victims of his previous scams. What a little bitch. Yeah. Um, 
he claimed that he had killed his former medical school classmate, Dr. Robert Leacock, in 1886 for insurance money. So that's in a confession after he was arrested, he claimed that he had killed a former medical school classmate, Dr. Robert Leacock, in 1886 for insurance money. However, Dr. Leacock died in Wat- Watford, Watford, Ontario, in Canada, mm-hmm. um, in 1989. So that's in 1989. 1889. My oh, bad. I thought you said 1989. And I, I was did. like, I the year Taylor Swift was born. All right. Anyways, um, <laughs> in late 1886, while still married to Clara, he married Myrna Belknap. Bitch. Yeah. In Minneapolis, Minnesota. Where is he? How is he getting to all these places? I don't insurance money but there's literally like like 15 places on here oh, jesus God. lord i feel like he this wasn't is, even that old yeah i feel like this is kind of like ted bundy like when he escaped prison and made it all the way down to fucking florida before he was caught again like how does that happen okay this ain't about him okay <laughs> i'm just saying i'm just comparing like how did yeah, how do at this at this point he wasn't a wanted man so oh okay that's yeah. true, that's true. But he's, he's not just loyal into all the... I mean, he got married. If he was a wanted man, he wouldn't have been able to get married and not get caught. Yeah, that's true. So... Okay. Yeah, so they had a daughter named Lucy, um, who was born... That doesn't matter. Oh, whoa, that actually is weird. He was born on July 4th. He got married to the first wife on July 4th and had his second child on July 4th. That's hmm. crazy. So... um. That does, oh, and then he married George, George, Georgiana Yoke on January 17th, 1994, which is also the same year that he got arrested. 1984. I mean, 1894. 1894. Yeah. Okay. So, the infamous place where all of these alleged murders happened is called the Murder Castle. So, he arrived in Chicago and came across a drugstore. Doesn't matter where, but, you know, it's South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Englewood. That's where it was. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you so, know that is, but... It's kind of funny because it's not there anymore. It's just a U.S. Postal Service now because they, yeah. well... You'll... Well, I know that, but, like, that's what it was. Yeah. I haven't been by it yet. But I was thinking, if you come up for, like, a weekend during the summer, if you have a free weekend, we should go do, like, a bunch of the shit that we talked about, because there's, like, a ton of haunted in Illinois. Or, like, murder sites. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or we could back go see. I mean, no. I mean, we can. We want. I want to. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, so the owner of the drugstore, he, or she, no, she gave him a job. He proved to be very hardworking, and he eventually ended up buying the store. So, Yeah, so there's an idea that he, that Holmes actually killed, like, the owners of the drugstore 
but that's fiction, you know, like, people are just like, oh, they disappeared and he killed them, whatever. Oh, he didn't kill them? No, he did not kill them. Oh, okay. So, well, I mean, because they they survived well into the 20th century, so he did not kill them. Into the 20th century? Seth. Seth. No, Steph. What? That's not how centuries work. We're in the 21st century right now. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 I forgot, I forgot, I forgot. So, So technically, wouldn't this be from the 19, killers from the 1900s, then? No, killers from the 19th century. 19th century. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a 19th century. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, he purchased an empty lot across from the drugstore. And began construction. This guy was like a mass. I don't know how he did. He's a mass manipulator, mass theft, like or thief. Um, like he, I don't know how he got away with so much. But so basically, like they began construction to build a two-story mixed-use building. Um, apartments were going to be on the second floor with retail spaces on the f- first floor, including a new drugstore. So after like they had a lot of it built, he declined to pay the architects or the steel company, and they sued him in 1888. In 1892, he added a third floor, telling investors and suppliers that he intended to use it as a hotel during the World's Columbian Exposition. I'm not really sure what that is, but apparently it was huge, uh, enough to be mentioned several times. Oh, it's a, it's a fair. Mm. So it's um oh it's known as Chicago World's Fair. Oh yeah. Oh. All right. So during that he was like, oh yeah, I'm building this hotel so people can stay there during the fair. Um, so the hotel portion was never completed, and he actually like started hiding their materials in hidden rooms and passages throughout the building. Um, there were some soundproof rooms and some mazes of hallways, which seemed to lead to nowhere in the um, hotel area. Many of the rooms were fit, like fitted with chutes that would drop straight down to the basement. No. Where, where, yeah, where he had acid <gasps> vaults or vats. <laughs> yeah, he had um, acid vats. Um, he had a crematorium. And what not to dispose of. Oh the my bodies. god. Yeah. How do you just like casually have a crematorium in the middle of fucking Chicago? It was in the basement. Oh my god. Yeah. So, well, what do you mean? I'm sure there's a lot of crematoriums in Chicago. What? what yeah, but about? not in a fucking hotel. At well, like it's, a- not like he, it's not like he was like, oh, come to H.H. Holmes Crematorium. It's for him <laughs> to dispose of the bodies. I know, but who like no, came in know. and in, yeah, but who came in and installed the crematorium? If he paid them, do you think they're like, hmm, this is weird. Like, I'm gonna like report you to the cops, or whatever. No, they're probably like, oh, it's the 1800s. I need a job. Let me do this for you. I don't give a fuck what you do afterwards. Oh you know? my god. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. So, um. The investors and whatnot for the planned hotel, they pulled out of the deal when um, the articles came out about what was going on with that. So, yeah. Um, After he got arrested, so um, the hotel was uh, gutted by a fire that an arsonist uh, 
started when after he was arrested. Mm. And then, like it said, uh, it, or like you told me, it was rebuilt and used as a post office. But it says it was only used as a post office until 1938. So is it like abandoned right now or is it still being used? As I swear the last time I looked it up, it was still a real post office. Let me see. It's It looks like it's still active. Hmm, weird. Okay, so on to the victims. Okay, on to the victims. So I'm not going to name names because, you know, it's just, like, messy and no, no one can follow names anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, I was, um, the, the, I just listened to the Valentine's Day episode the other day because I was, like, curious or whatever. And there are so many names for the, um, Valentine's Day massacre. I was like, God, how are people even following this? Like, I'm barely following it. I'm the one who like, researched it. I know. Um, so... Uh, basically, when he lived, or when when they were at the hotel, wait, hold on, that doesn't make sense, because they said the hotel didn't finish. Uh, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe he stayed up in the hotel, like, if there was some finished room, but the, I guess the hotel was never completely up and running. But basically, um, he had a mistress, and... She was married, and her husband found out, and he moved away and left his daughter and her. And then Rude. she went missing, and Holmes said that uh, she had died during an abortion, but uh, it was never confirmed what happened, and they disappeared on Christmas Eve of uh, 1891. Oh. Yeah, so... And another woman went missing uh also in the same december and then uh yeah there's like three women in a row listed here that like and a little girl i don't know if he if he did if he killed the little girl too but she went missing with the mom and then two other women also vanished so so sad yeah um while working what is this while working Oh, at a bank, uh, Holmes met and became friends with this guy, um, who was a carpenter who had a criminal past. Um, yeah, he used him as his right-hand man for several crime schemes. Mm. And basically, like, they described him as Holmes's tool as, like, creature. Like, I guess he used him, like, and the guy yeah. let him, I guess, I don't know. So, in the early 1890s, an actress named Minnie Williams moved to Chicago, and Holmes claimed to um, to have met her in an employment office, and there were also rumors that he met her in Boston years earlier. He He offered her a job at the hotel, and she accepted it, and then he persuaded her to transfer the deed to her property in Texas to um, this man named Alexander Bond, who was an alias of Holmes. So, oh like, it God. was but, like, whatever. I don't know why she was stupid enough to do that. So, after she transferred the deed, um, Holmes served as the notary. And then he later signed the deed over to the his, like, right-hand man. And he gave him a different alias. So, the next month, um, Holmes and Williams, the actress, they mm-hmm. presented themselves as man and wife and rented an apartment in Chicago's Lincoln Park. Um, her sister, 
nanny. So close. Yeah. <laughs> her sister, <laughs> Nanny, came to visit, and in July, she wrote to her aunt that she... Bitch, can I help you? God damn. Um, she, they wrote to her aunt, and she planned to accompany um, this guy to Europe. I don't know. I guess, like, he tricked her into... I don't know. So neither Minnie nor Nanny were seen alive after July 5th. Shocker. Yeah. So he had a very... He was known to have a very entrepreneurial spirit. And I guess he was, like, able to... So, like, I guess, you know, you know how, you know how it'd be with serial killers, you know, they're known mm-hmm. for being very persuasive and whatnot, so, um, yeah, also, like, he had a, a medical education and, and all of that, and he had a lot of connections. He was able to sell skeletons to medical labs and schools. Oh, <laughs> and they weren't like, hmm, this is su- suspicious, did this guy get this from his fucking crematorium that he has in his basement? Well, no, because they burn the bones, too, in a crematorium. I know, I was making a joke. Well, was that funny? Fucking rude ass. Fuck. <laughs> so, um, sometimes he hired an assistant, whatever. Um, he was accused of stripping the flesh off of the bodies, dissecting them, and preparing a viable skeleton. Um, oh, he and sometimes an assistant were accused of stripping the flesh off of bodies, dissecting them, and preparing them for viable skeletons. Mm. The rest of the remains would be tossed into pits of lime or acid, effectively breaking down the remaining evidence. So yes, he did, in fact, use the bones from his victims. Mm. So, um, insurance companies were pressing to prosecute him for arson for some reason. I what? I don't know. Um, he left Chicago in July 1894 and reappeared in Fort Worth. Good lord, this man travels. <laughs> Fort Worth is in Texas, if you didn't know. I did. Isn't that where he had that lady sign over the deed no, to her house? No, that was, that was, uh, yep. Yeah, that was Fort Worth. Mm. Yeah, so... I'm really shocked by that move. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh yeah, he re- in Fort Worth where he had inherited property from the Williams sisters. So he sought to construct another quote-unquote castle, which is what he called the one in Chicago, or what they called the one in Chicago. Um, I guess maybe it's because there weren't very many like tall, like high-rising buildings, so like maybe three stories was pretty high at the time, so that's why they called it Castle Adam. So um, they, or him, I don't know how many people he had with him, but Basically, he wanted it to be along the lines of the one he had in Chicago, and he swindled a bunch of suppliers again. In July 1894, he was arrested and incarcerated on the charge of selling mortgaged goods in Missouri. What the hell? When did he go to Missouri? What is happening? Jeez. Oh my god. Okay, he was bailed out. Um, but while in jail, he, um, conversed with a convicted outlaw named Marion Hedgepeth, who was serving a 25-year sentence. Um, he concocted a plan to swindle an insurance company out of $10,000, which is now equivalent to $290,000 yeah. as of 2018, hashtag inflation, by taking out a policy on himself and then faking his death. Yeah. So... 
um, Holmes promised Hedgepeth a $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who could be trusted. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So... One of the lawyers thought that his scheme was brilliant, um, and what? Oh, he failed actually faking his own death, and the insurance company became suspicious and refused to pay. Uh, he didn't press the claim instead. Well, no shit, he didn't press the claim because he's supposed to be dead. <laughs> So instead, he he did a similar thing, but with his his uh right hand man. So his right hand man, the same one from before, I guess he followed him around everywhere. He agreed mm-hmm. to take his own death so his wife could collect a ten thousand life insurance policy. No. So when she was when she was to split, oh, which she was to split with um the lawyer and Holmes. So the scheme, why not him? He's not actually gonna be dead. Well, because he gets the portion that his wife is gonna get. It's not, but it says which she was to split with Holmes and the okay, whatever. Yeah, because so, he's gonna split her portion with her. You know, it's because the wife is collecting the ten thousand dollars. It says which she was supposed to. She was supposed to split the ten thousand dollars between herself, Holmes, and and the the. I don't know, whatever. I don't know. Because the guy is, like, faking his death. Yeah, I know, but he would still, he would still get it, anyways. Um, because that's the whole point of doing it. But the scheme was supposed to take place in Philadelphia. I swear to God, if the next time they mention a city, it's in California, I'm gonna pop, pop the lid off. Oh my god. Um, he was supposed to find an appropriate cadaver to play the role of the left-hand man. Instead... He killed him, his right-hand man. Instead of trying to find a cadaver, he actually killed him. And um, he knocked him unconscious with chloroform, and he set his body on fire with the use of benzene. Yeah. So in his confession, he implied that um, that his right-hand man was still alive after he used the chloroform prior to be set, being set on fire. Oof, Jesus. So he burned him alive. Oh, wait, but forensic evidence um, that was presented at his trial later showed that the chloroform had been administered after his death, presumably to fake suicide, to exonerate Holmes. Oh, I see. Oop, damn, well, <laughs> he didn't get away with that one. Hmm. So, wait, what? Oh, so it did work for a little while. It did work. They they did think that it was a suicide because of that, but that like they brought it up like after at his later trial. Oh. Okay, I see. So he actually was able to collect the insurance payout because they thought that it was a suicide. Oh lord. Yeah. Um he then went on to manipulate the right-hand man's wife into allowing three of her five children to be in his custody. God, <laughs> how stupid! It's like it's like uh the the um what is it the something in plain sight that thing like where the parents like abducted in plain yeah abducted sight. in plain sight 
where the parents, like, just handed over their kid. Yeah, basically. Like, what? Damn. How stupid were people? Okay, anyways, uh, so the eldest daughter and the baby remained with the wife, um, and then Holmes had three of the children traveling through the northern United States and into Canada. He also escorted the wife along a parallel route while using various aliases and lying to her concerning her husband's death. Oh, he was claiming that he was hiding in London, but he was actually dead. Yeah. Um, He was also lying to her about where her children were and um, saying that they were only a few blocks away. Um, He was staying at another location with his wife, um, who didn't know about any of it. Like, his actual wife. Not not the right-hand man's wife. He was he was taking the, the right-hand man's wife up to Canada. But he was staying at a different place that was really close to where he was keeping, like, the other people. And with his actual wife, who didn't know anything that was going on. What the fuck? Yeah. So he, he confessed to murdering two of the um, children that he convinced the right-hand man's wife to give him. By locking them in a large trunk. And he drilled a hole in the lid of the trunk. And put one end of a hose to the hole. Attaching the other end to a gas line to asphyxiate them. He buried their nude bodies in the cellar of his rental house. In Toronto. Hmm. I do not understand. How the hell. He. In. He died right before he turned, like, what did I say, 36? He died right before he turned 36 or 35 or whatever. And he he only started doing this when he was, like, 18. How is he doing all this and that? Like, God, how is is this even, like, possible? (laughs) God damn. Oh, my God. So, um, a Philadelphia police detective was assigned to investigate homes and servicing children and found the decomposed bodies of two, the two girls in the cellar of the Toronto home. Uh, he wrote, quote, the deeper we dug, the more horrible the odor became. And when we reached oh, the depth God. of three feet, we discovered what appeared to be the bone of a forearm of a human being. End quote. Um, he went to Indianapolis after that, where uh, Holmes had rented a cottage. And he was reported to have been visiting a local pharmacy to purchase drugs with which he used to kill Howard. Pitzel, which is the uh, right hand man. Yeah. Um, he also. I mean, not all. Well, yeah. I mean, like he didn't, but but the right hand man didn't help him kill anybody. He just helped him, like, um, like fr- collect like, insurance money. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, kind of all because he was like, oh, okay, like okay, Holmes, like I trust you. I'll fake my own death, and then Holmes is like, yeah, ha ha ha, and then killed him instead. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you don't have to fake it. I'm actually gonna kill you. <laughs> Um, so, Holmes is also seen going to a repair shop to sharpen the knives with which he used to chop up the body before he burned it. Um, wow. Uh, yikes. The, um, boy's teeth and bits of bone were discovered in their chimney, so he burned the body in the chimney. That's cute. Wow. Oh, my bad. Okay, okay, my bad. So, 
he was reported to have visited a local pharmacy where they discovered, like, which is where he purchased the drugs to kill the other child he had. So he took oh. two girls and a boy. He killed the girls by asphyxiating them and buried them, and then he killed the son by, um, like, I don't know. Uh, he he killed him with the drugs, and then gotcha. These were used... not his kids, right? No, they were not his kids. Okay. They were they were the right hand man's kids. Oh, oh, that's so sad. Yeah, because he convinced the right hand man's wife to like give him custody of three of her five kids for some reason. Oh, so yeah. Poor. So they found um, some of the boy's teeth and bits of bone in his chimney. Oh. Yeah, his murder spree finally ended when he was arrested in Boston. In 1894. Um, he was... Uh, okay, that doesn't matter. <sighs> yeah, so... Following the discovery of Alice and Nellie's bodies, which is the two daughters, um, the, uh, Chicago police and reporters began investigating um, his building in Englewood, which is now, you know, referred to as the castle, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, though many sensational claims were made, no evidence was found which could have convicted Holmes in Chicago. Wow, that's crazy. Um, there were stories of torture equipment found in the building, um, but oh. it's, it's considered maybe like fiction. So he was put on trial for the murder of his right-hand man and was found guilty and sentenced to death. Damn. For that, just that one murder. Yeah. By then, it was also evident that he killed three of the children as well um he confessed to 27 murders in chicago indianapolis and toronto um but like i said some of the people he confessed to murdering were still alive and he also confessed to six attempted murders um he was paid seven thousand five hundred dollars which is worth two hundred twenty six thousand dollars today by the by newspapers in exchange for his confession um which was quickly found to be mostly nonsense so you know like yeah um, he gave various um, contradictory accounts of his life. Um, he claimed initially that he was innocent, and then he claimed later that he was possessed by Satan. <laughs> uh, yeah, so on May 7th, 19- 1896, god damn, which is like, I don't know, a year and a half to two years after he was convicted, um, he was hanged at... Moya Mensing Prison, which was um, also known as the Philadelphia County Prison, for the murder of his right-hand man. Until the moment of his death, he remained calm and amiable, showing very few signs of fear, anxiety, or depression. Um, <laughs> he he was concerned that his body was going to be. Um, stolen by grave robbers and used for dissection, so he asked for his coffin to be contained in cement and buried ten feet deep. Yes, <laughs> I remember that. When I was... <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, also, his neck did not snap like typical, like what is typical when you're hanged. Um, but instead, he was strangled to death slowly, twitching for over fifteen minutes before pronounced dead. Twenty minutes after the trap had been sprung. Good. So he suffered. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Hedgepeth. Wait, who was in the name? Hedgepeth. 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 Oh. Oh, the guy he talked to in prison. Um, 
he had been pardoned for informing on Holmes, um, uh, but he was shot and killed by a police officer during um, a holdup at a Chicago saloon. Yeah. So, R.I.P. He died anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. There, um, there was a the death of uh, in 1914. There was a death of um, the, a former caretaker at the castle, and the mystery the mysteries of the castle would remain unexplained. Um, he died by suicide by taking a drug, and his body was found in his bedroom with a note that said, "I couldn't sleep." Mm. Um, his surviving relatives claimed that he had been haunted for several months and was suffering from hallucinations. Um, Holmes? No, the caretaker. Oh, 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 the caretaker. Um, But then, like I said, the castle was gutted by a fire. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so was that really the worst thing? Probably not. Um, In 2017, there were allegations that he had, in fact, escaped execution. um, And that his body was... I don't know how to say that word, but basically, like, I think his body was sent in for testing or whatever. Um, but due to his coffin being contained in cement, his, the bo- his body was found not to have decomposed normally. Yeah. Oh, so they actually got, got it out. So his, his clothes were almost perfectly preserved and his mustache was found to be intact. The body was um, positively identified as being that of Holmes with his teeth. Holmes was then reburied. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, I'm not really going to talk about, like, pop culture with H.H. H. Holmes, because, you know, since it's, like, uh, quote unquote America's first serial killer, whatever. There's like a lot of stuff. Yeah, I want. Oh, oh yeah, and then you know, like in the fifth season, American Horror Story, you know, like um, Evan Peters' character James March. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Supposed to be loosely based on H. H. Holmes, you know. Yep. But yeah, so. Yep. 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 So well, man, man's was uh, did a lot of did a lot of. Sounds oh, really good. A lot, a lot. Yeah, I've definitely. Oh, no, 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 no. Finish what you're saying because she hasn't responded to me yet. And I think they're probably still preparing. So. Oh, gotcha. Well, I was just gonna say, like, I mean, I've definitely researched that case before. Like, not researched it, but like, have read stuff about it before, and I've heard other podcasts talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it's just like so. Every single time I listen to it, it's just so crazy. Like all of the shit that he got away with before he was actually caught. I mean. He was 16 when he started, and almost 20 years later, he got away with it for 20 years. Almost 20 years. Wait, H.H. Holmes? Yeah, right? He was 17. Uh, When he, like, first started doing all the bullshit. Oh, like, conning people, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was, like, at least, like, 17, 18. 17 through 20. I don't know. I don't remember exactly when it was, but... Alright, well, I have a quick good news story, and then we'll sign off. Okay. Okay. So this is actually from last year of September, and you, you've probably heard of it before, but it popped up on my news feed the other day, and I was like, I have to talk about this. So, um, a Clarksville police officer stepped in to help when a mother flagged him down to help her son tie his tie. The teen was getting ready for prom when he and his mother realized ne- neither of them knew how to tie a tie. So the mother went out and flagged down Officer James Yuri, I think it's Yuri, who helped him. The police 
uh, police said the woman later sent a message to them on Facebook saying how great, like, the police officer was with helping them and making sure to show, like, her son how to tie a tie properly. And she's just very thankful. And I was like, that really warms my heart. Like, I feel like cops have just, like, so many cops get a bad rep, but it's like the five percenters who are doing wrong and, you know, yeah, most I mean, of them are. The, that's the case with everything, you know. Yeah, exactly. So, but I thought that was cute. Yeah, that is. So, all right, she's she's gonna she's gonna wait to pull a pig for me, so I really gotta go. Okay, say that out. Why do I always have to? Okay, anyways, thanks for getting spooky with us, right? That's it, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Thanks for getting spooky. spooky, spooky okay, spooky. bye. Go see some bye. little piggies. Yes. I want pictures. I can't. I don't think I can take pictures of them. Why? Because I don't think I'm allowed to. Oh. I can ask, but I doubt I'm allowed to take pictures of them. Alright. Actually, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, have fun. Bye. Bye. Bye.